0: Friends, welcome to episode 232 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. I'm Rob. Meow, 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 meow.
1: Yeah, do, yeah, meowdy do,
0: meow do, everybody.
1: Uh, Sarah's in a very cat mode today. I think because uh, my cats were being all wonderful and and close, and and you ended up playing with them for a while, and then. Now you're, you've got cats in the brain.
0: It has been gloomy and yeah. cold for the last three, four days, something like that. Is. I am beginning to feel the sads, and I am trying to make the serotonin happen. That's one hundred. Everything today has been tough.
1: Yep. Nope. I get it. I get it. I totally get it. I mean, so yeah, and uh, and I'll say it on this Caswell. I put it on the Discord as well for those of you who are not on our Discord, who are out there in listening land. We truly appreciate you listening. If you could do us a minor favor and it's gonna sound like the typical YouTube, give us a like and subscribe know like seriously, for whatever app or methodology that you're using to listen to us, give us a rating uh, you know if you can, give us a nice comment because mm-hmm. uh, it makes a huge difference. We are falling off the algorithm every time, like like when I run a search for our specific name in Spotify, five others come up before our actual icon. Oh my god, really? That have nothing to do with the, in their names or anything with Storyteller or Conclave. Oh, wow. But, like, it's like them, then, them, and then us. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's because we're kind of falling off.
2: hmm mm-hmm.
1: You know, uh, we, we only have ever charted in the U.S. top I think 250. We, we came into the numbers once. Yeah, yeah. And we've got a lot of episodes. Mm-hmm. So... If, if you're out there and you're listening, whatever country you're in, we appreciate it. We truly, truly do. But it is hard for us to know that you're out there and for us to get any level of recognition and get other people to listen. Um, so we'd really appreciate a like, uh, a rating, uh, a comment on one of the shows. Um, you know, uh, all of that helps us get recognized and gets us more listeners and and more people joining the discord we keep getting them on the regular and i love it yeah, really? i absolutely love the discussions that happen in our discord um we get people from all kinds of areas talking about all kinds of games and it's it's wonderful i love the community i love everybody talking mm-hmm. and it, it means a lot and, and every once in a while i'll get dms from people who don't want to talk in the community because they're shy that's okay we still appreciate it. We love the ideas. Yeah, right on. So so thank you all. Thank you all for all that you do. Absolutely. To keep us going on this. <laughs> mm. So.
0: Oh, it's your gaming news. I got my game coming up this weekend. You do. You do. And
1: you have the fateful problem of one of your players is sick. One
0: of my players is sick.
1: And sick in a way that they cannot show up to the session.
0: Yeah, it's a little, little COVID. Rona, you know.
1: Yep. Came back from a vacation sick.
2: Yeah. Which is
0: kind of the worst, really, because you're like, oh, great, I had this wonderful vacation and I'm now sick. And the the, the really crappy part, I talked to him today and he still has to work because he's self-employed and he's like, you don't get sick time for no. being self-employed. Luckily so. he's
1: also he can do his work remote, so yeah. which is yeah. nice. That is really nice. But man, just the whole like I do some work and then god can I take a nap? I need to take a nap. I'm just going to pass out. One of those <laughs> one of those rare moments I got to count, uh, I got
0: to uh quote Count Rugen mm-hmm. to him, you know. <laughs> I said, "You're still working?" That's got to be the saddest thing that I've ever heard. Yep. Yep, yep. Well, get some rest. If you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything. <laughs> and and I made the point to to yeah. tell you it was like People look at that and
1: recognize uh, uh Count Rugen and um the king as uh or the prince I should say mm-hmm. um as evil vile people and yeah. they are don't get me wrong, but it also still shows that like they're friends, yeah, they have a relationship it's not like they're at each other's throat and thinking of devious ways to stab each other no no they're they're hanging out yeah. Like, this is a terrible thing. They're like, he's concerned about his friend, you know? (laughs) Yes, at one point in his existence, he did run a sword maker through with a sword that was made for him specifically. He does have a secret torture dungeon. He does. He does have a secret torture dungeon. That is also true. Right. But at the same time,
0: it doesn't mean he doesn't care about his friend. Just because he's bad the guy doesn't mean he's bad the guy.
1: Correct, correct. I mean, it does in this case, but at the same time, like,
0: he's still thinking of his
1: friend and I think that's wonderful and I think you should do that with your villains too that like you know that maybe he's caring about his henchmen maybe those henchmen do want to give him that special birthday present you know <laughs> because he likes a sweater mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll keep him warm at night yeah exactly so think, think about that just a little side thing though but alright we do have a system spotlight to do yeah this one is interesting because you were so excited uh when uh When we, actually, I want to say, when we started doing this podcast, you had told me about Dresden Files as a story. Yeah, yeah. And I've been going through my, like, I think my second
0: read-through of the books. Yeah, exactly. And there's 17? I want to say we're up to 17 now. I think it's 17. Because, um, what what was the bank heist one? Um... Had the Denarians in it and mm-hmm. every every book that is that has the Denarians in it is, is is a multiple of five they show up in five ten and then fifteen again yeah um and then there were two books after that so it's got to be seventeen now
1: yeah um and because when I looked at the wiki there was one there was a book that was listed but like no dates yeah and yeah. I was like is there eighteen or seventeen like I don't know so um I'm not surprised. Uh but you were very adamant about talking to me about thing and over time you've discussed the universe when we've discussed urban fantasy.
0: Yeah, I really and how it's
1: different and
0: yet it fits still within the lexicon of what we understand as urban fantasy. Yeah, um, it's 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 just I I think it's it's a great uh, skin game, skin game. Thank you uh, Heatsink. Um the um was the 15th book in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh but anyways, yeah, the, the, so it's it's a lot of it's a lot of really great urban fantasy um but like you know so if if you if you're a fan of World of Darkness, if you're a fan of Urban Shadows, um uh then, you know, Dresden Files fits right in that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um Harry Dres- it's a, it's a book series about uh Harry Dresden who's the only wizard that uh is listed in the Chicago Yellow Pages. Um and uh it starts off as some really simple detective stories and uh after a couple books goes severely off the rails. Mm-hmm. Uh and you've got uh a war with vampires and the fairies getting involved, and um, werewolves. The, I mean, the second game is is uh, called Fool Moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all about werewolves in this in this setting and whatnot. Um, and there's there's a little bit of everything for for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, Harry is a uh, a flawed individual. Hmm. Um. I, I've I've heard that criticism a lot. Of like, Harry is a very unlikable. He's a misogynist sort of, you know, chauvinist sort of character. Oh yeah. Like, okay, that's fine. You don't need to like the protagonist. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. But it, But they are. But they are fun and interesting stories. Um. And I. I've really come to just absolutely adore the. Uh. The. The world. Hmm. So when I learned that, um, Evil Hat Games mm-hmm. had created a game of it, mm-hmm. uh, I was uh, I was all in.
1: Yeah, so, um, Jim Butcher, the author, um, who, uh, authored The Rest in Files, is actually friends with people at Evil Hat Games. Yeah. Uh, and they've been friends for quite a while, and when his agent basically said, okay, we've had enough of these requests for you to create an RPG or do something tabletop related out of this, Mm -hmm. you know, can we work on that? And so he got a hold of Evil Hat, and in 2004 they worked out a license, and between basically 2005, um... And 2010, there were variants of the game. There was an original kind of mechanic system that didn't work out, and they had to scrap and redo. Um, But they were running it at Origins uh, as a a playtest nearly every year, right up through 2010, um, in various forms, until they came up with their their final thing, which was using uh, Fate 3rd Edition. Um, So in 2010, they released uh, the... The two original books, which was your story in our world, the the rules information, and then the setting information. Um, and when it released, it got ten awards within I think w- within the, the effectively a year. Um, it had won ten awards with that, um, and it was written as an in canon book.
0: Yeah, it was really cool. We uh, um, we should have those. Uh, Sean picked those up mm-hmm. um, a while back, and that was actually my first uh, exposure to Dresden RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was actually before I read most of the books too. I think I'd only read the first couple of books before I, I saw those those original mm-hmm. Fate RPG books, mm-hmm. um, and they were really fun actually, mm-hmm. uh, because they look like, like you said they were written kind of as an in. As an in-world document. Yeah. And so there are little post-it notes put up in there and little notes written in the margins mm-hmm. between Harry and uh, his knowledge spirit named Bob.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that uh, uh, just commenting on little things here and there and making yeah. tie-ins to the books and whatnot. Really cool.
1: Yeah. And it, it gave a little deeper dive into um, another character, Billy Borden, mm-hmm. who was kind of penning it. Yes. Uh and and what was going on with the werewolves?
0: Yes, Billy, more directly. Billy Billy comes in in book 2. Um he runs a uh, he's the the alpha of a pack of werewolves called the Alphas. Mm-hmm. And uh he actually like he becomes friends with 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 Dresden and mm-hmm. canonically throughout the series they have a and d game that they run. So. Which is
1: funny as all get out.
0: Yeah, it's great.
1: Um so then after that happens, we had uh, Fate Core uh was released in 2013. Uh, that was a successful Kickstarter, and there were some extensions that came from that that came into the 2014 uh, Fate Accelerated system, mm-hmm. and that was so successful that, that then they were like, "Okay, we can do accelerated versions of things like Dresden, which was before we even got Fate Core out. So let's 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 condense. Let's see what we can do here, and that's how we ended up with this Dresden Fate Accelerated." Um, which was just a simplified standalone single book release. Yeah. Uh, instead of this multi book with the third edition rules, which I'm not going to say are bulky, mm-hmm. but they are. They're they are. There's a different level of crunch. Yeah. Um, it, it,
0: it it definitely went a little more in depth. I would say the mechanics are mostly the same, mm-hmm. but um. There was there was definitely more like you you had like five aspects instead of just three mm-hmm. um to start with and stuff like that you had you know multiple skills because it was under the the actual like, core fate rules um and whatnot um and being a... able to separate
1: the core book of Dresden basically mechanics and the setting and world book. Makes for a lot more reading material. Plus, yeah. the physical
0: size of the book of of those books are larger. Well, it was a full it was a full size format, you know, eight and a half by eleven book.
1: Yeah, I think it, I think the original was closer to five hundred pages, mm-hmm. and this is this is like two hundred and fifty in a mini book. Yeah, yeah, um, which were much,
0: we, which we see way more often now. This mini style. We're, um, worth noting, though, mm-hmm. you really only needed the first book. Mm-hmm. Um, to play the game. Right. The second one was a lot of world building, so right, it, it right. was very valuable. But it was oh, like yeah. it was like having the monster manual for D anD. d You know, right? No,
1: without a doubt, without a doubt,
0: super, but, super helpful, but not necessary. But
1: again, packing that monster manual now into this little book. Oh yeah, on top of a compressed version of Fate, and still getting all the world. It's a lot to pack into a tiny book. There, there is a lot in this book. Yeah. There is, there is. Um, so the first eighty ish pages of this book. Are just people and places, and the rules that govern the society and the traditions of the world setting, and a lot of a
0: lot of who's who, mm-hmm. a lot of who's very who quick, very factions, yeah. yeah. And man, like uh, I, I don't, I don't know that we ever found a uh, for sure point at which this uh, book is canonically supposed to take place. Um,
1: actually, oh, does, I, it, does yeah. it? it does. does it, say, it does say, um, and it's in the foreword. Oh, I'll, is it? I'll see okay. if I can grab it real quick. Um, because they talk about, like, they don't
0: want you to, re- you know, uh, without reading too far in. Because um... the Fomor are listed as antagonists, so that puts it at least around book 13. Uh, they make reference to one of Dresden's uh, occupations, let's call it, without getting into too many spoilers. Um, so it's got to be post-book 13, because I think... White Knight, Ah, uh, Dresden hunt? Files through Skin Game, Skin Game. Okay, so
1: that's book 15, where it, that's yeah. where through Skin Game. So if you haven't read Skin Game at the point where you got this, which was apparently it had just come out, yeah, they were like, "Hey, there's spoilers. If you find them, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing." Yeah. So yeah. So it does it does set it in the foreword where this technically sits within the amount of
0: information,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it's not really within the timeline there because yeah. the book could be played whenever up to that point
0: right there are there are factions that during the course of those 15 books uh, no longer are a factor mm-hmm. uh, through various means and they are but they are still fully detailed in there uh, so yeah. you can you can really play this in in the Dresden verse whenever
1: well and the other thing that I found interesting about within those first 80ish pages is it doesn't really communicate the timeline or any events mm-hmm. other than Basically, where the Dresden world opens, yeah, and is its comfortable opening point, mm-hmm. so like I don't like by reading this, I don't know anything that's happened in any of the books. There are no events that are obvious that talk about a specific moment in time that Harry did that that would expose anything to me, a non reader of this novels like I didn't catch anything in there,
0: yeah yeah no i'll I'll give that to you, but I mean... for
1: you, reading about uh the undead t-rex You're i was like, like i was like oh yeah deadbeat good book but not only that <laughs> not only did you know remember yeah. that but you also remembered what led up to its creation yes i do yes and do. how those are, but that's not listed anywhere in here mm-hmm. which i think was I, I think is a nice ode to it but also some concern there for for someone like myself trying to look into this yeah um so i i will say this uh so within the zany wilds let me just kind of paint out a little bit of the difference, because I know there's going to be some questions about the difference between the two books a little bit. And we kind of expressed that uh, by saying, you know, that the original books were almost 500 pages in a much larger physical book. Um, And trying to fit that into the Accelerated did change things. Well, the key to that is that it also altered because we went from third edition Fate to effectively core which was uh four on uh fourth edition on um so in that there were there were physical changes that happened within the fate architecture uh that also played into this and then a lot of the people who did reviews on this also said that and this is because i hadn't i didn't have any detailed time to go through the original one um to say one way or another that uh it's in there or not but effectively if you want heavy mechanics tied tightly to the design of the Dresden verse, the original third edition set is the way to go. It is very, very tied into the world. But if you want something that is more urban fantasy that you can feel the Dresden verse in, um, that's quick to get into without hacking out the original rule set and has Mm. enough crunch this is the way to go. You can definitely get started. I, I think one commentary stated that uh, this one you could get from opening the game and uh, character creation in under an hour. Whereas the original was like, your character creation would, would feel chunky and take you take you time because of the detail you'd go into. The, yeah. the use of mantles yeah. made a huge cut down in that time. Yes, I agree. So. I agree. Uh so yeah so not to say that the original cores, that, that this is like a, a this isn't so much a second edition don't mm-hmm. think of it that way where you're getting uh, an altered rule set that is that inclu- inclusive it is different mm-hmm. uh in the way that the mechanics function it is different in the way that it touches the world uh almost to the point i would say um that it is not that they aren't compatible uh but it would it's like going from three point five to fifth edition in D and D. Yeah, yeah. It is something. enough of a drastic jump that you're gonna really have to recalculate how you're you're doing things. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna take
0: character sheet and move forward. Yes. So yes, agreed. So. Agreed. Uh all right, so let's let's do just a little a little breakdown on the world here. Um we we talked a little bit about uh, how it's urban fantasy mm-hmm. at the core, okay. And clearly there's a, there's a man named Harry Dresden. Yep, that um, is. And uh uh so Harry is a wizard who mm-hmm. lives in Chicago. Um Wait, he is Wait. He's a wizard, Harry? He's a wizard, Harry. Yes. Oh. Um god I saw I saw this uh this video the other day. I guess apparently uh they got um uh JK Rowling was like awarded so like the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone or mm-hmm. something like that was uh, uh awarded like one of the best um opening lines in a book. Okay. Ever sure? And uh, and and someone made a video, and they were like, "That is BS. It's not even the best line of a of a book starring a wizard named Harry." But that is also true. Uh, and I think it was Blood Rights opens with the line, "The room was, was on, on fire. fire, and it wasn't my fault." I, I think that is. <laughs>
1: I know that line, and I've never read the series. Yeah, I know. Like I the know. impact of that.
0: Uh, but anyways, I digress.
1: Yeah. No, there are some amazing amazing openings to books
0: uh so he's a, he's a Harry. Uh, he's, a, he's a wizard named harry um and uh kind of down on his luck he's basically a private uh, private investigator when he first uh when he first uh, starts off in the books um kind of kept on retainer by the uh chicago pd okay as a supernatural consultant whenever um you know crimes happen that they can't quite explain he's got a uh ally in the force in the name of uh by the name of karen murphy mm-hmm. who um also is kind of that kind of that fox molder style cop that mm-hmm. like she knows there's something going on and knows harry knows more than he lets on about that but, is a very old reference so <laughs> but but she kind of gets like yeah. you know sidelined of like oh you get you you're that weird cop that gets the weird assignments go talk you know? to your weird dude yeah you'll never be you'll never be promoted around here because you believe in weird conspiracy theories and magic and stuff and you she's know
1: like yeah because it's real and they're like yeah sure it is Karen yeah my you know? my son had a magician at his birthday too
0: e- exactly exactly you know, at Halloween we see ghosts all the time uh so it starts off with that um and we get to know a little bit about that we get to know a little bit about uh there are fairies involved there mm-hmm. is a place there's there's a realm called the never never mm-hmm. which is you know one step aside from our reality where all these supernatural beings um hail from
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh it's generally where most of the fairies live and stuff like that you have the summer court and the winter court of fairies um otherwise known as the Sealy and the Unsealy. Mm-hmm. but there's a bunch of wild fae that aren't really associated with any of those groups um there are whole story arcs that involve them and they get very 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 deeply involved in the story um in fact uh most of the supernatural um world is governed by a set of rules penned mm-hmm. by queen mab
2: mm-hmm. the Accords,
0: um, if i m- remember the, the, the unseely accords mm-hmm. yes uh written by queen mab of the winter court mm-hmm. you may know her from great things like a midsummer night's dream um that mab yep uh, and stories of King Arthur. Yeah, yeah that's there. Eventually, we get uh, we get things involved like the Knights of the Cross, mm-hmm. um, called because they wield swords that have, uh, that are forged with uh, nails from the crucifixion mm-hmm. into their blades, mm-hmm. and they are sworn to fight a group of uh group of demons that are bound to the twenty pieces of silver used to be- betray Jesus, mm-hmm. called the Denarians, mm-hmm. um. And that's a whole thing. <laughs> so there's a lot going there's on a lot in this of world. Lore. There's you know? a lot of lore. But like, and this is one of the reasons why like Urban Shadows grabbed me real mm-hmm. quick because Urban Shadows was a very light urban fantasy setting, but it involved wizards. Mm-hmm. You could play demon possessed yep. people. Ghosts. You could play yeah. fae. Yep. Ghosts. Mm-hmm. Werewolves. Obviously, like I said, there's werewolves involved in the whole second book. there. That's where Billy mm-hmm. Borden comes in. So there's a there's a lot going on in this world. A mm-hmm. lot of different factions. Three different factions of vampires, multiple different types of werewolves. Mm-hmm. It's never just one. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Um And they're all people.
0: Yeah. They
1: all have an existence beyond what we 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 know through media as vampires are, you know, blood sucking fiends. Mm-hmm. You know. Or, or werewolves, you know, when they turn, are just monsters, you know, or demons are always pacting and doing—no, no, no these, these are individuals. Mm-hmm. They may not be humans, but they all have goals, you know, friends, communities, and more so because of the accords, they sit within this veil— yeah that they protect themselves from even yes. and i i remember you saying that the the accords were put in place because basically the internet and media sped up too much there's camera security cameras webcams people have cameras on their phones like we could get caught and suddenly humanity going from the yeah 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 that's a thing to the oh the military is now going to assault places because they recognize there's something there that's a danger to humanity.
0: Yeah, it's, um, the, the Unseal Accords weren't around until technology started catching up. And yeah. then it, it basically, um, Queen Mab penned out these Accords and was basically like, all right, look, we are all going to agree to these things. We're going to have a way of, like, how we interact with each other. We're going to have a thing that accords us neutral territory if we need to meet or anything like that, mm-hmm. where no violence can take place. Mm-hmm. We are going to have ways of paying off debts if we have wronged each other so we don't go to open warfare.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, if any of these rules get broken, the penalty is essentially death. And if you don't take care of it, it's not you who gets uh, who gets the, the death penalty. It's whoever is in charge of you. Mm-hmm. So, clean your own damn house, yeah, and like, I love that concept, and they do aggressively, yeah, um, and you know that's not to say that there's uh, <laughs> Heatsing says fa- uh, nato yeah um and and that's and that's correct, you know it's yeah. a it's a it's kind of a non aggression pact between everybody, but if there is aggression, it dictates how that aggression needs to happen, right, um it's kind of like the Geneva Convention you know yeah. for 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 supernatural creatures. And that's not to say that there's not some, you know, BS that goes on where, you know, they'll they'll work the system so mm-hmm. that it either entraps people behind, you know, like, oh, we forced you to break one of the rules. And that's not our fault. We didn't break the rule.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: broke the rule. It doesn't matter how it happened. Right. You know. Uh, that might be the plot of book three, but um, I mean, but in
1: all honesty, we we see that at other places. It's just much more obvious in the way the design of oh, this sure. came out, which I still think is beautiful, mm-hmm. um, and simplistic. It it and one of the things that the the accelerated book does is it talks about the accords and it gives them. Like, a couple paragraphs oh, yeah, yeah, of kind of the general feeling, but doesn't hamper you within story style to say, these are the accords. Here is the scroll, the 30-page scroll that, you know, right. lists out all right.
0: details the, in the text and the framework. But they list the major rules and they list mm-hmm. wh- why those rules are in place. And how they're how they're enforced, essentially. Yeah. Um. And you know what the, what they're designed to be to 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 do mm-hmm. to govern society. And it's and it's really nice, actually. It's it's a it's a it's a good, it's really good world building mm-hmm. that works on many levels. And every single faction has the potential for characterization that is very rich mm-hmm. and multifaceted and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And that's what I really like. You don't ever end up with, uh, oh, f- all fairies are evil. Yeah. yeah, it's never or it's never yeah. that simple, mm-hmm. you know. And even within factions, you end up with good ones and bad ones and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You Very know? much so. So, mechanics wise, we've
1: <laughs> we've kind of gone over
0: this. Yeah, we we actually talked not about Fate Accelerated, but we did talk about Fate Core.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and that was uh, episode, believe it or not, episode fifty eight. Yeah, And it feels weird to say that twenty twenty was a long time ago. Well, not only that, that's third edition. Fate yeah.
1: that we went over, or, you know, or, sorry, 4th edition Fate that we went over, right, which right. wasn't the accelerated rules, but, like, it was a while ago.
0: Yeah, so, but but I would say about 80% of Fate core mm-hmm. is the same as Fate accelerated, so yes. if you're looking for a breakdown of the mechanics and stuff that, we're not going to devote a lot of time to rehashing them here, um... But most of the mechanics and how they handle things like aspects, how they handle the dice rolls and whatnot, mm-hmm. all of that is covered in episode fifty-eight, our system spotlight on Fate Core, uh, and that was released on June tenth of twenty twenty. Yep. Uh yep. So still you, out there. If you can, if you want to go back and, and listen to that one, you'll get all the mechanics there.
1: Yeah. I will also say that there is there there are two direct playthroughs, uh, that are very good. Um, that will give you the developers' take on it. One is all of the developers at Evil Hat mm-hmm. playing uh, with the Fate Accelerated I, I
0: need to go in and watch that. I did not yeah. have time. I've been yeah. very, very Neither busy. Neither did lately.
1: I, but I, I, I was able to catch it and recognize what they were doing. I was like, okay, so we, we have something from the developers, which is always a great way to look at it. Um, the other is uh, there, was a, uh, there was a few of the sessions that came out of... Uh, from the Kickstarter where they were uh, they weren't play testing anymore they were live playing it uh, and that ended up giving us a uh, gives you a much uh, stronger feeling of how others viewed it uh, and uh, how the new pieces work really well together um, so I think those two are are good tied together for it the one thing that both of them don't really get into is, uh, uh, is something that I'll get into later, which is is how the game develops mm-hmm. uh, prior mm-hmm. to even rolling the first dice. Yeah. So, yeah. but I'll, I'll get to that. So, but uh, what are the differences as as you recognize them?
0: Right. So, I think the the, the two main differences between between Fate Core and uh, Fate Accelerated is uh, we now use approaches and we now use mantles. Um, so, approaches kind of overtake what the skill system used to be. Um, It used to be that you have uh, various skills, and they would have a rating of, you know, plus one, plus, like, six, I think they would go up to. Um, And that would be your typical stuff, you know, your shooting, your fighting, your negotiation, all that, all that sort of things. Um, What we have now is approaches, which are kind of like attributes, I suppose. Uh, They are flare, focus, force... Guile, Haste, and Intellect. Um, And these kind of govern different ways of going about doing a thing rather than what it is specifically that you're doing. So in a a way, this is a lot like um, Legends of the Five Rings, Mm -hmm. where you've got your different rings, Earth, are Water, Fire, and Void. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't matter if you're attacking a foe, like that doesn't always use fire. It might, if you're trying to be very forceful and direct about it, but if you're trying to attack your foe, you know, by dodging and using guile and mm-hmm. trying to trick them into overextending before you strike them, that's air, mm-hmm. you know. And it's the same thing here in, in in Dresden Accelerated. It doesn't matter what you're doing. If you're trying to be tricksome about it, you're going to roll with guile. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to, you know, leverage your intellect about it, well, guess what? That's intellect. If you're hitting something straight on, it's a force roll. Right. Um. It's, it's almost... Approaching some of the
1: powered by the apocalypse design, uh, in that it's how you approach the situation, mm-hmm. uh, it, and and I always find that interesting when we're we're looking at mechanics and where they birth from. Yeah, yeah. So
0: it's neat seeing so many games too um, moving towards this approach system too, because this is this is becoming more and more common. Yeah, as we as we do very these much so, and I kind of actually really like it. It allows a lot more freedom in. Uh, Uh, making characters more multifaceted I think Mm -hmm. because you're not so bound by like your skills into creating a sort of pseudo class for yourself of Mm -hmm. like oh well I'm the character that took the fighting skill so now I'm the fighter yeah you know even though it's classless yeah you know well now it's like okay well I'm I'm the fighter because I have a lot of force and I have a lot of flair and I have a lot of haste right But this can also make me a mechanic or this could also make, you know, a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, And the second thing that we have here is called mantles and mantles. um, uh, Mantles are kind of like your character class, Mm -hmm. uh, but they're more akin to what place you have in the supernatural world. Right. Um, So many of the mantles, especially at the beginning of the list, are mortals. They're just like Clued In. Mortal is the first one in there,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, and it's just a mortal who happens to know that the supernatural exists. They've seen behind the veil. Yeah, um, you'll have like low level practitioners, there are practitioners of magic. You'll have um, there's one that basically Karen Murphy has, which is you know the the cop that, uh, that that's involved in this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, reporters and whatnot, and then of course you start getting into your different mantles of things like um, uh, your ver- various vampire courts. Mm-hmm. And even ancillary characters, such as, like, the Red Court Infected. Yeah. Um,
1: so I was reading about that a little bit.
0: The Red Court are um, these are the, the blood-drinking vampires. Right. And I, I need to specify that, because there's three different types of vampires. One of them eats flesh, one of them drinks blood, and one of them feeds off of emotion. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Red Court are the ones that drink the blood. And, uh... How they make new vampires is they infect others by biting them. And once you've been bitten by a red court vampire, the moment you make your first kill, basically it's it's it gives you the bloodlust, mm-hmm. you know? Like you want to feed on people, but you're still technically mortal. Once you make your first kill, that's what converts you into a full red court vampire. Gotcha. That's what unleashes the beast, basically. Mm-hmm. Um So there are like ancillary mantles in there of like red court infected where you're halfway between mortal and red court vampire, you Mm -hmm. know, but that's a thing. Mm -hmm. So they put it in there and it gives you a certain, uh, a certain set of stunts, which Mm -hmm. are basically your like skills, edges, feats, Mm -hmm. sort of thing that are specific to that mantle. I'll be straight up with you. Mantles remind me a lot of playbooks from Powered by the Apocalypse.
1: Yes, when I was reading through them, that's the first thing I thought of. Is this feels like a playbook? You could have, in many ways, with this game, you could make a play card Mm -hmm. that was just mantles that you can hand to people that they then fill in the blanks.
0: Yeah, yeah, simply as that. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, a lot like other, like, temp- I believe it's templates in GURPS, mm-hmm. if Sean could back me up on this one, mm-hmm. um, or where they're, they're pre-spent point sets that you then just basically say, I want this template, and you get everything on that list yep. of things for your character. Yep. So even though it's a free-form game, you just pick the template, and it's it's got all the... It's the shopping list, the full shopping list.
2: Yeah,
1: so you have your approaches, and then you have your stunts, which are your moves.
0: Yeah, stunts are basically like moves from any Power by the Apocalypse game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they're the special thing that you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, so character creation is actually pretty simple, then, mm-hmm. um, with this accelerated system. So first thing you do is you choose your mantle. Mm-hmm. What type of character do you want to play? What what flavor of werewolf are you going to be today? Mm-hmm. Okay? Uh, so you choose your mantle. Um... That's kind of where you're going to stop with your mantle. Like, you're just going to put the name of it on there for right now. You're not going to get to choosing anything off of it necessarily. Um, but what you're going to do then is you're going to pick a high concept, a trouble, and one other aspect, mm-hmm. okay? Now, these three things are aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, like I said, we we're not going to just get huge into the mechanics because right. we did we did do a full breakdown of fate uh, earlier, but what what an aspect basically is is a word, it's a, it's a short phrase mm-hmm. that describes your character, mm-hmm. Okay. And how an aspect essentially functions in gameplay is if that if that phrase, if that descriptor of you is coming into play, mm-hmm. you can invoke that aspect to get a plus two to your roll. Yep. Okay. So, for instance, I might be, um, you know, the youngest wizard on the White Council.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Now, this could be a good thing for me because mm-hmm. it means I am a White Council wizard. Mm-hmm. Awesome. If... If me being a white council wizard is going to be an advantage in a situation, I can be like, hey, I'm the youngest wizard on the white council. Plus two. Boom. Yeah. Okay. However, they encourage you to word your aspects as double-edged swords Mm -hmm. in a very neutral way because I'm the youngest on the white council. Yep. So that probably means that people aren't going to respect me because of my age and experience. Yep. Or lack thereof. Yep. You know? So... This aspect can be then be compelled, which is kind of the negative way to apply an aspect, where someone's like, "Okay, well, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to convince this guy, okay, but you are the youngest wizard on the White Council, so they're gonna dismiss you. Right. That's a bad thing now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So you come up with a high concept, which is something that describes your character.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: A trouble doesn't have to be related to your high concept, mm-hmm. but this is something that will continuously. Is a foible of your character. Okay. Okay. Um, think of this as something like adding hindrances in uh in Savage Worlds. Yeah. Loose with money. Loose with money, yeah. It yep. does that doesn't matter if you're a werewolf or not, yep. you know, but loose with money. Okay, so you're gonna be a broke werewolf most of the time, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Um and then one other aspect mm-hmm. because you're a rounded person. Yep. yep. You know? Um and that can be anything. Yep. You'll then assign numbers to your approaches. Like I said, there are six approaches, so you're going to give one of them a plus three, two of them a plus two, two of them a plus one, and one of them is going to be at zero. Mm -hmm. You can distribute those any way you want. The book does a very good job of describing these Mm -hmm. in, like, if you want to be a brute, put your three here, your twos here, your ones here, and your this. If you want to be an athlete, put these here. If you want to be an intellectual person, put them here. Right. Um, As good examples of how to build characters. Yep. Uh, the next step is set your refresh to three. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, what does literally any of that
1: mean? (laughs) (laughs) That is kind of a new feeling.
0: All right. So you get, you start the game with three refresh. Refresh is an interesting stat. It acts as kind of both an experience point system Mm -hmm. as well as a, um, upper limit on the fate points that you can have. Which is
1: your, 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 your Fate points are the, the meta currency of being able to do other things.
0: Exactly, they're how you're going to invoke aspects and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, think of them a lot like they function in a lot of ways like Bennies mm-hmm. from Savage Worlds. Yeah, your token of the game. If you yes, will. exactly. And it is a meta currency. It is not something your character is aware of. Right. Um. But uh, the the goal is during gameplay, you're going to have things compelled about your character, which will make bad things happen. But you will receive fate tokens in in uh, response to that, and then you'll use your fate tokens back to make good things happen for you, mm-hmm. which makes the game have a dramatic swing to it. Refresh is a stat that sets the upper limit of how many fate points you start the game with. Mm-hmm. Okay. You keep the fate points from previous game. So if you've got more than your refresh, you'll keep those. Mm-hmm. But if you're lower than your refresh, you always refresh up to your refresh uh, stack.
1: That's hilarious. You refresh, your refresh.
0: <laughs> but you can also spend your refresh to, like, buy stunts as character advancement. Mm-hmm. So do you want a character that has cool tricks that they can do, or do you want the versatility of having a stack of, of fate tokens in front of you? Yep. Oh, always a neat way to look at it. Exactly. So it's useful. I, refresh is useful either way. And mm-hmm. I and I really like that aspect about it. Um, so for right now, you're just going to start with your three refresh. You're going to choose a stunt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your um, your mantle will give you a number of starting stunts. Mm-hmm. And then you get to choose one more off of the optional list. And then the last one is if you want, you can spend your refresh. Mm-hmm. You can never spend your last refresh point. You will always have one. Mm-hmm but you can spend up to two of your refresh to buy even more stunts. You can start the game with five stunts if you want, you yeah. know? Five or six. It depends on how many your mantle gives you automatically. Right, right. Um, So that's that's basically it. That's character creation. Mm-hmm. It's only three aspects. Distribute a couple numbers and write down some stunts. Pick one off of a list. Sounds pretty straightforward. That's it?
1: Yeah, which is why it's fast to get into it. It really is. Um, I think the... Talking about... um a step after character creation versus what dresden is Mm -hmm. um is part of the issue that i kind of saw as like an opening to this and that was is that the way that dresden is written and the books are are done in their, their novella form they're not starting people these are everything that's happening is happening at a much higher level than even accelerated characters will really ever get to. Yeah, You're never going to have a campaign to the point where you hang out with Harry and are doing the things that Harry has to deal with at the level that he deals with them mm-hmm. and the people he, you know, the individuals and, and, and uh, afflictions happen with him. Right. It doesn't mean that you won't have story. You won't have experiences within your game that don't sit within the realm but they're literally high-level characters.
0: Yeah, yeah, they you really
1: know? um You know, uh, it's funny when you compare it to something like, hey, I've read the Forgotten Realms books. Mm-hmm. I'm now going to play D&D, running into Dritt Sturden kind of could be a thing. Like, that, that's possible. Sure, like, sure. within a year of playing in a campaign, it's not a big deal to run into him anymore. Yeah, sure. Because you're kind of close right. in doing what you're doing. Right, or even surpassing in some ways him but the whole point of it is is that this kind of sits outside of the scope which is interesting about Dresden uh, because you are playing kind of at a lower level at a lower point in the arena
0: but um, I, I think that's good though personally mm-hmm. I because because the thing that I, that I that I adore the most about uh, about the Dresden files is that there are cool stories to be told at every level mm-hmm. and uh what is what is going on while we're not watching Harry rubbing elbows with Queen Mab of the Winter Court? You know, right. is you know th- there's there's tons of stuff there. I put
1: it more along the lines of like watching Star Wars and being in the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not Luke fighting the Empire directly with Leia and attacking your father. Who is running it? Yeah,
0: ex- exactly. You're. We're thinking Rogue One here. Correct. You know? You're correctly. a ragtag band of of you know, nobodies right. on the back end who just happened to stumble across some you know Stuff. interesting things the Empire was going on and said we need to do something about this. Right. You know? Well, you know. Now we're helping, and so because the
1: world and universe is so large, you are affected by those moments that are going on at the larger mm-hmm. scale. But there's a lot of storytelling space, a lot of blank space to fill.
0: What I what I really liked actually was uh and this is this takes place in world though I don't it doesn't get a lot of fanfare in the books. Mm-hmm. Um but uh they the book three of the big Dresden books yes. is called the Paranet Papers. Yes. Okay. And what the Paranet is, is essentially um after things really kind of kick off with the—because uh, the, the, the Red Court starts doing some horrible crap,
2: mm-hmm. um,
0: and they go to war with the White Council of Wizards. Mm-hmm. And a lot of lower-level practitioners start getting caught up in that because they don't have the protection of the White Council
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, under the Uncelia Accords. Okay. Right they're not officially part of the white council even though they're magical practitioners right and so the red court starts bumping them off because they know that it will provoke a reaction right from the white council uh and so the, the these lesser practitioners these lesser supernatural forces start realizing they kind of need to band together because they don't they aren't part of a larger Group that has the protection of the Uncelia cords over them, right? Um, and so the paranet is formed, which is essentially the paranormal network. You right. know, the uh, uh, and it's a great um, in-world excuse to get like a red court infected, and a werewolf, and a practi- you know practitioner of magic, mm-hmm. and a changeling fay. All together in the same group, doing wacky hijinks in the Dresden verse because mm-hmm. you have to. You have to make allies when mm-hmm. you're not part of one of the major factions. You well, know?
1: also things happen around your friendships. Oh yeah, absolutely. All the time. Like, uh and and I think that's that that's a key point to this. But I think what you're pointing at is something that is where my problems came in with this book.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I. I will flat out say when I grabbed this book for the first time and started reading through it, I stopped four times um, for various reasons. Yeah. I just I, it was hard to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, And when I started looking, I went right to the DM section because I was like, oh, like, like you do. I'm yeah. going to go to the DM section and start reading it and realized that it was not a DM. I mean, it was a DM section, but it was the blandest, most flat D- dm section that i had ever read it literally felt like i had read a an ai's translation of what you know b- any dm section from 2013 yeah. to 2018 compiled into one and said
0: spit it out into a couple paragraphs yeah now it's not bad no no first off we are not saying they used ai to write the not book. in the least not it was just
1: it's also the tone but i'm going to get to that in a minute because that 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 is not statement comes with some weight.
0: We, we want to make it clear. We do not believe they used AI to write the book.
1: No, no. In 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 all truth, it's kind of funny how they wrote this book uh, and how that came out and feeling. But my, the point of it was, is that the DM section didn't give me any in world tools because it had assumed I had read and memorized the previous hundred pages of, of tomic knowledge that was in there and inferenced everything you just said yeah because i don't read the books none of that stuff means anything to me that the that the red court is doing this to the white court and that these events could occur because in all honesty it's not there this book
0: doesn't carry that it is just general setting with very little motivation. Yeah, and I think I think this is why we saw the previous edition of this game broken up into two books, one of which was an entire 300-page I mean, book on world building.
1: Technically three.
0: <laughs> Te- yeah, technically three. Because a, th- a third book was basically, okay,
1: we made a first book to teach you the rules and get you started on this. Welcome to the Player's Handbook. Yes. The second book is, here is the world mm-hmm. and everything that's going on. That's great. How do I run this? All right, all right. You've never read the Dresden Files. Here's a bunch of... Physical things that are going on. Yeah. Okay. Now these, this is effectively like adventure hooks. Yes. That's what the third book is. Yeah. This book has none of that. Yes. Agreed. And in, but because it compresses it all together so tightly, it's scary. And I said this flat out, like, I don't think I could run Dresden files for anyone who has read Dresden Files.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: I would I would, hamheartedly screw it up. Mm-hmm. You know, as badly as if I was trying to run a canonic Doctor Who game, and I know some Doctor Who stuff, there are Whovians who would... Eat me alive oh yeah because I would screw something up
0: you earlier in our discussions you uh, you you likened it to the uh, the hypothetical Tron game that I was that I said I was going to run and I'm like, wouldn't it be cool to play a game inside of a computer for two network engineers but the three network engineers but that, yeah. But the thing about
1: that is is that there are things that we can accept that are no big deal. but if I start talking about certain things that are happening in the Red court, your your skin literally starts to crawl because that's not how it happened. Mm-hmm. Those those events can't happen that way cuz that's not how it happened in in canonical story for literally 17 books. Yeah. I am fighting 17 year after year. I mean, it wasn't like the 17 books passed over 400 years. Mm-hmm. Like or even like Star Wars where it's like what you're seeing in these movies is ten years. What you're seeing in these movies are these ten years. What happened between those? Twenty six years or a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, okay. Plenty of room for stuff to happen. Tell whereas, like stories, right. But Dresden's like Dresden is a human <laughs> effectively. <laughs> you know? There there's a lifespan there and an existence. Like, I I don't know the you know, uh, effectively chronological (laughs) length of those 17 years, but somebody does Yeah. or 17 books. It's not 17 years. I'm guessing it's a little longer than that, but it's not, it can't be 200 years of Dresden. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so (laughs) that right there makes it even more challenging because so type, it's no different than being like, Oh, I'm going to do this in Buffy. Buffy was a very tight timeline. Yeah, it was in events. Yes, you could do things in there. There are a few
0: blank spaces, but like, you really can't get around it. And I, I think the 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 important thing, and I, I don't think the book expressed this, uh, t- maybe not terribly well. I mean, it, it at the very beginning, it, it talks instead of doing character creation first, it talks about kind of about, about campaign creation.
2: Mm-hmm. I was, I was
0: just going to bring that up. Uh, so it, it does talk a bit about um, how, you know, you and the players should all talk about the type of game you want to play um, and what forces and factions you want involved in that game and where you want that, that game to be, you know, taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of encouraged to, you know, make, make this stuff up together as a, as a group. Yep, yep. Um, and I think that's I don't I don't know how well the the book does of explaining that, but I think that's the sweet spot right there for me because almost all of the canonical Dresden stuff takes place in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, it's a it's a hot spot of supernatural activity because it's a cro- it's a crossroads, it's a nexus, you mm-hmm. know, sort of thing. Um, but like it, essentially, the moment you move your story out of Chicago into, like Detroit. Mm-hmm. Or New Orleans, as they use as an example yep. in the book. That was, a, um, who's Harry Dresden? Yeah, you know he's a blip we, in history for we, some of these individuals. Oh, he, he's that warden from up north, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I think I've heard his name before from one. You know, it's one of the White Council dudes mentioned it or something like that. Right. So
1: it gives you that 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 uh, leverage to to flex the world a little bit. The, sure. That events that happen in Arizona.
2: Yeah.
0: Don't necessarily have an impact of what's going on in Chicago. Exactly. You're going to have different regional wardens and stuff like that from the White Council. You're going to have different vampires and different werewolves and stuff like that all showing up. Some factions are going to have more presence or less presence. Again, that's all decided by you guys in your campaign, you know? Right. We don't want the vampires involved here. Okay. Why are there no vampires here? Um, White Council wiped them all out. Cool. No vampires in our campaign. All right. Yeah. And, may- and maybe we talk a little bit about wh- how... You know, how that happened between the White Council and the Vampires. Yeah, you set up the mountains, if you will, you know of what's the edge scape. Sure, yeah. exactly. But but define define your own playground, mm. you know, with that. So, you know, if, if you don't want to have every single faction involved in your game, you don't have to. But again, I don't know how well the the book does of expressing yeah. that you don't need to know all of the Dresden verse. Right. You know? It it
1: doesn't do a very good job of that in in my opinion. Um I think if you are a savvy storyteller, you can pick that up and you can get excited. But the only reason why I'm excited about Dresden is not from the book. It's from the people who talk about it and the references that I find in the book. For me, the lore in it really wasn't exciting. It felt too compressed to be exciting. It felt that it was trying to get out as much information as it could in the shortest amount of space... To be able to express what the world was like. And in that, it felt very dry and clinical. Yeah. And what's interesting is, canonically, based upon who wrote this book in character, because they did the same thing they did in the previous ones, it needs to come out that way. So this book is written by Ivy. Yeah, it's written in the tone of the character Ivy as if they were to have written so, it. So,
0: Ivy Ivy is a supernatural character uh, known as the Archive, and she is the living embodiment of all written history. Literally, if a thing has been written down, Ivy knows it, like with an eidetic memory. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes from literally, like... Barroom napkins that you have scrawled a note on, all the way up to manuscripts.
1: It's terrifying how much fanfic is stuck in her brain. That's painful.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> in in fact, there there is a point at which Harry is in a in a really difficult situation and needs to get a hold of her, and he literally just like writes it like, "Hey, Ivy, I know you can see this because I'm writing it. I need blah 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 blah. If, you know, send this immediately." Mm-hmm. And then just crumples it up and throws it away. But because it had been re- committed to writing. She knew it
2: mm-hmm.
0: and therefore got a message to her, which was right. really cool. But the problem is is that Ivy is too smart. Pan intelligent. She knows, and and I will I will say this because it says it in text in the margins of one of the pages, knows over a million words of English alone. Mm-hmm. And she uses them all. She's quite loquacious. And there are points at which um, she's just flexing her vocabulary. And it makes the book, because it's supposed to be written in her in her voice, makes it very difficult to read. Yeah. Instead of just being a game manual where you can just be like, okay, this is this, that is that, and this is how you play... She waxes poetic about things yeah. and uses ten dollars words to do it, and like I'm, I count myself a pretty well read person, a pretty intelligent person. Like big words don't scare me, you know. I, I'm I'm not a person who will ever get get down on someone for using big words, but it does create a language barrier, mm-hmm. and it starts to sound like lawyer speak at certain points. Yes. And that's where my eyes start rolling in the back of my heads, and I start tuning out. That's, that's I, literally why I had to, one of the first reasons why I had to stop.: I love the Dresden verse. I love the Dresden verse. Hopefully you can hear that in every word I've spoken today, but man, this book was hard to read at points. Yeah. Luckily, when you start getting into the meat and potatoes of like character creation and stuff of like that, that falls off a lot. Mm-hmm. But like the first paragraph of the character creation, you know thing is like, none of that was necessary. Yeah. And I don't know what the hell I just read. And that puts you off reading the rest of it.
1: That's, and that's why the DM tips when you finally get to it. Because at that point, they've already told you how to create a game, how a session zero effectively should go, how to do character creation, how to determine what factions are in your game, how to outline all of that. They've gone through all that. So it finally gets to a section where it's DM tips. And the DM tips are so generic mm-hmm. to the point where you're reading through it and it's this loquacious you know, poetical, like, how to be a good DM. And then there's just these, this box that's basically like, oh, when you get tongue-tied, try one of these four single-line things. And I'm like... And they're, like, really random. You could almost put a D6
0: chart next to them of, like, yeah. roll a random number and but, then do the thing. But
1: it it doesn't explain what it means by getting tongue-tied. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's not addressed anywhere in there. It's just a note yep. that's kind of just jammed in there. And I found that the the sticky notes go from being in lore kibitz between her and her bodyguard in in kind of a fun way to eventually just be this grindy blocky thing that got in the way of the movement of the document itself.
0: Yeah, they're they're a little distracting because li- they are cute. They're cute, especially if you know the characters. Correct, but they are distracting. Yeah.
1: And and at times, because it's not just the sticky notes, there are circles around things that don't have reference to actually learning the game. Mm-hmm. So they're highlighting things for the comedic and people who know Dresden. Yeah. Not for the people who are trying to learn the game. Yeah. Exactly. Or the important parts of the game. So like Mab's name is not highlighted in in text. Mm-hmm. I had to, like, read through a few times to find the part that it was needing me to reference about something else so that I knew that there was an interesting point there. Mm -hmm. But, like, a commentary circled another thing on there and, you know, drew it to a a sticky note. It's like, I don't care about that. That doesn't help me learn the game. Right. You know, all of that was fan service.
0: Yeah, it's a wink and a nod to something that happened on page 73 of the fourth book. Yeah. you're like, okay. The other thing that got me, and
1: I don't, I didn't have the physical book to be able to do my reference points on this one, um, so I'll have to come back to you on this, was I had the digital version. Mm-hmm. And the digital PDF was great about, like, even in the quick character sheets of, like, go to this page, because it would just give you the name of, like, the stunt, and then a page number. Yeah. You could click and go to the page number. That's really great, but you can't go back to the page you were on. Yep. So backlinking was absolutely horrendous because you'd get three links in and be like, what was I originally going to this page for? Mm-hmm. Like, why am I here now? So all of that feels cumbersome at some point. Yeah. Um. There wasn't anything that I could see out of this book that basically gave me anything new mm-hmm. to talk about as far as like good role playing techniques or something unique that it kind of put out as a perspective. In fact, I feel like it did a poor job of stealing ideas from other systems that were existing at the time. Hmm. Um, Or that some systems have done a much better job of addressing in a more direct way. Like the faction systems that are in um, forged in the dark. Oh yeah. Is a hundred times better and would apply here in spades like amazingly well Mm -hmm. they just say factions are important Mm -hmm. you know maybe link some of your because your players are going to be involved in those factions uh link them into the story okay well your players are defining the story elements yeah yeah okay what what am i doing then to address that,
0: yeah, there is there isn't a whole lot of guidance on top of that. No, um, and it's it's not the thing that I found greatly distracting actually about the world building section, uh, which is like you said the first the first eighty ninety pages of the mm-hmm. book, um, is that uh, I'd have much rather preferred that they they separate the overall world building. From the who's who and character sheets of the major players. Yes. Because I found that it it greatly distracted from trying to learn the broad concepts Mm -hmm. that they're trying to introduce to you of like, okay, fairies are a thing in this world. There is the summer court and the winter court. Okay, cool. I can cope with that. There are two factions of fairies, summer and winter. Awesome. Right. Okay, here's Titania's character sheet. Cool. Who's Titania? Oh, she's the summer queen. I'm assuming queen is important. Oh yeah yeah yeah, absolutely. Here's your character sheet. Yeah. I don't need this yet. Right. I, I don't, don't even need understand to understand it. I don't need to know who Titania is. I barely need to know who the summer queen is. Right. Let alone who Titania is, let alone her character sheet. Um and it, I felt like it really broke up the flow. Like they should have started with broad concepts and been like Look, there's a lot going on in this world. There's fairies, there's vampires, there's werewolves, there's other, you know, things Mm -hmm. going on here. Here's some of the minor players, there's the Denarians and the Knights of the Cross, here's how they interact and whatnot. You can find more about these factions in the back of the book. And then being like, okay, now if you want to know more about the summer court, here's the summer queen, here's the summer lady, here's the summer knight. Here's the winter queen, here's the winter lady, here's the winter knight. Here's how they got there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that would have been a lot better. I think you'd have found that a lot easier to read. I found it difficult to read, and I knew what was going on.
1: Right, right. And the other thing for me was is that for something that is the the lexicon of knowledge, mm-hmm. the amount of the the lack of pronunciation. And understanding at times. Like, Latin terms were often translated, Mm -hmm. if it was direct Latin. But other times that Latin terms were used, they'd just use the Latin term and not explain what it was. Even though that, if you translated it, which I did, was like,
0: oh, it means shadow fighters. Shadow hunter, yeah. Shadow hunters. um, ventorium Umbrium, or something like
1: that, yeah. Why not just tell me that that's what that means? Mm -hmm. You've already told me other times what Latin means. This is kind of a very important time to know the understand that to be able to break it down, especially if this isn't my first language. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So a lot of, there's a lot of privilege Mm -hmm. in this book that it's assumed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed.
1: And I, I think privilege on the part of the education of the reader. Mm -hmm. I think privilege on the part of your access to Dresden information and understanding the Dresden world a little bit. And also from the, breadth of who you are as a role player yeah it is because it makes a lot of assumptions on creating a world with your players who may never have done that before
0: yeah because it it, that that whole section there really only gets a couple paragraphs of like oh yeah just make a world just sit down and decide what you want you know the scope your world to be what factions you want to be there have that discussion with them now make characters
1: so one of the things that I was I I just dawned on me while I was sitting here mm-hmm. cuz I was going to talk about it a little bit was the adventure, the Nola adventure, the sample campaign, right? Oh yeah yeah yeah. That was in the back. Yeah, we'll always have Parish, right? The yes. sample campaign. Nowhere in this do they use the outline for creating it in here.
0: They don't show their work at all. They
1: don't show their work at all. They have characters and they have the 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 def- definitions but it they had a worksheet that they showed you how to walk through effectively creating your you know, defining everything yeah. your
0: factions and yeah. everything and linking it all they had to do was ex- to to use that to show it off and honestly i i'll say this i think that's a symptom of just moving to this accelerated format where they wanted to compress everything into one neat tidy little book certain things had to go by the wayside because if i remember correctly the uh the big dresden books from last mm-hmm. edition had that they showed step by step how to go through and make a city mm-hmm. give the city aspects mm-hmm. that could be that, that were city-wide that could be compelled yeah you and know? They, they even talk about like throw a few
1: aspects in ask players for the aspects within the scene yeah and you're like w- what did they know well, give me an example of an aspect and again there is no there are no scenes in here to describe mm-hmm. what those aspects would be either. So accelerated is the word of the day on this book. Yeah. You yeah. have to know
0: what you're doing to step into this. Yeah, it's definitely you're going to have to kind of do your homework, yeah. um, not only from the Dresden standpoint, but from the fate standpoint as well, I think, to fully employ this book the way that it was meant to be. I think the bones of it are all there, and like I said, I love the Dresden verse. I think it is a phenomenal, phenomenally built world, and I am excited to play there. I would love to play there sometime. Mm-hmm. I want I part of me wants to run this for you guys because I do love the Dresden verse and I know that, you know, several other people in our friends group who also love Dresden and whatnot, but yeah, I, I kind of agree that the book doesn't necessarily do a great job of setting you up for success with it. So tell you what we have spent a lot of time, uh, kvetching about this book. Let's say some nice things about it and then let's get to some questions. That's fair. What do we like about this? What do we think Dresden is doing well here? Okay. So from, from a point
1: of good I will say that I feel that it got through the rule set mm-hmm. um, and really explored and exposed some a, a very quick character creator and uh, and a good general design for getting into a game. Yes, um, working with your players, understanding what factions, opening up the the board between the board space between you and your players to be able to design a, a good game. That might be short, just a short camp, short campaign of like maybe four or five game sessions Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, without it feeling cumbersome. I think that that was great. Um, You get a taste of Dresden with this, but it's not heavy handed. Mm -hmm. It's like, here's the world that Dresden's in. Use some of these assets. Have fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Here's your here's your taste. Uh, I, I also really like the Fate, exce- fate Accelerator rules. Mm-hmm. Um, I always found Fate a little scary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a little esoteric for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need some numbers to hold on to. Not a lot, mm-hmm. but I need some. It's one of the reasons why I think Powered by the Apocalypse kind of puts me off a little bit as well. But I think this step, taking, taking what I know of Fate and dragging it one step back towards at least Powered by the Apocalypse... Mm-hmm. Um, I think mantles and approaches are very good, very clean concepts I can easily grab onto and easily employ Mm -hmm. um, without a lot of crunch, but offers you a lot of variety, Mm -hmm. and I think that's where it excels. Yep, yep. Um, And again, like I said, I I love the Dresdenverse, and I love that the mantles in there, um, they, they kept it open like they did in the previous version where you could play just about anything mm-hmm. and there's some guidelines in there for um for making your own stuff as well yeah no creating a mantle is 100 percent in here uh so you're making your own mantles making your own uh your own stunts and stuff like that there's not it's not like a um i mean nothing in fate really has a lot of numbers attached to it it's right. very esoteric mm-hmm. but um but there are at least guidelines for like your stunt should probably fall into doing one of these, one of these things essentially with these by, by these guidelines. Right. You know, right. if you're going to create your own stuff. Yep. Um, and lastly, the, the thing that I really liked was that in several places the book shows you the math.
2: Hmm.
0: Um, when it's talking about how to divvy up your. Uh, Uh, your approaches, Mm -hmm. it's, it, it straight up tells you like, uh, you know, if you want to create a, uh, you know, a strong character, you know, spend your points this way, spend your points. Yeah. Like brute, all-star trickster, guardian, thief, and swashbuckler. Yeah. No, again, these aren't like character classes. These are just literally words they're using to describe point spreads, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's like, if you want to be a brute, put your plus three in force. Focus and Flare get your plus twos, Guile and Haste get your plus one, and Intellect get your plus zero. Yeah. Because Intellect's your dump stat is a brute.
1: Yeah. You know? Which makes sense because, again, it's it's not saying that you can't do things with your other stats. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry, if I'm trying to repair something and I'm using a hammer to basically bang it back to life, that's not a very intelligent thing to do, but it may work.
0: Yeah, sure, <laughs> exactly. That's a force thing. Mm-hmm. Or it might be a finesse thing. Correct. If you're banging it carefully you know yeah um the other thing the other way that they show the numbers though uh and this is something that i'm sure sean would just absolutely love is when they're talking about how the rules work Mm -hmm. okay um so uh anytime you want to make a roll you take four fate dice Mm -hmm. which are they have two pluses two minuses and two blank spaces on them you can use normal d6s and just use high medium low you know Mm -hmm. your five one two three four five, six Mm -hmm. um, for them as well, but you always roll four of them Mm -hmm. and then those modify your, your number. Mm -hmm. So if you're rolling with your plus three stat, you can get all the way from minus one. Mm -hmm. If you roll all minuses minus four, Mm -hmm. or you can get all the way up to plus seven. Mm -hmm. If you roll all pluses Mm -hmm. Um, at certain point, you can do something that where you, uh, you can invoke an aspect and either get a plus two to your roll
2: Mm -hmm.
0: or you can re-roll the dice altogether. Right. It straight up tells you this option is only statistically better than the plus two bonus if the roll is minus 3 or minus 4 and then shows you the odds of getting any outcome yeah on those dice on the reroll. Yep. And it yeah, it's 81.48% if you've got a minus 4 that you're going to get something better. 61.73% chance that you're going to get a better roll if you re-roll if you had a minus three. Mm-hmm. And then it goes and it goes down from there. Like the fact that it is that transparent instead of just being like, oh, well, you know, play your agency. You should choose. No, no. You should be informed about the choice you're making. Mm-hmm. Not all of us can cram that much math in our heads. Yep. Especially me, mm-hmm. it's very nice to be explicitly told the good situation to use that rule in. Well, and
1: the other thing is, is that the dice rolls are so different yeah. than any other game you've played. It's hard to think about the math because it's unless you're a mathematician knowing that those dice are still dice mm-hmm. and that really your calculations are not valued plus, you know, in the same way, it's hard to factor those things really on the fly, is. yeah. So never tell me the odds. Yeah, in this case, please tell me the odds because I please, please tell don't me remember. The odds. Oh
0: God, I would never be able to figure that out on my own. So, from your opinion, what doesn't it do well? I mean, I I don't think it does a good job of conveying information as a book very well. Um, I, I I would if if I could re-edit this book, I would go and I would I would put it in a much different order, and I would tone down. I don't know necessarily that I would change it, that that it's not Ivy telling the story, but I don't think I would be so flippant with her just expressing her character on the pages in lieu of giving me a good, understandable book.
1: I I tend to agree with you on that, and the the thing that I came to in my frame was she has all of the knowledge that was ever written anywhere Mm -hmm. about anything. Why isn't she doing more references then instead of self-creation? Yeah. Like, I would have loved to see the Red Court describes themselves as, you know, and have a description that was written by someone else. In the 13th century, the church opened itself with this statement, Mm -hmm. you know, or... You know, it could have been found in, you know, in in this thing and have the notations on the side, you know, of like, this was never written in English. Wasn't that Latin? Yeah, but who remembers all of this in Latin and I'm not writing it twice, right. you know, <laughs> yes. you, know the, you know, those kinds of things would make sense and mm-hmm. would have been funny and fitting. Like, I love the original Seventh Sea Player handbook for the way it described the world. Mm-hmm. The pages were beautiful. They did w- the giant art. And then three paragraphs about each country. Mm -hmm. And you had everything you needed to know. And then it would say, okay, now I'm going to give you a whole page on that country Mm -hmm. that's going to go into not only all the general aspects of it and its magic and what's unique about it, but also how the
0: people feel about other countries. Yeah, yeah. And it did that in, like... Eight pages. Vander Mantle did quite a bit of that too. It where, very much where it was did. like, okay, here's here's this clan objectively, mm-hmm. without any you know without yep. any flair, or bias or anything like that. And here's how members of this clan typically feel about members of the other clans. Yeah, you know, uh, and you know some of them were like, hey, I we'll love it when they show up at parties, and other ones were like, avoid, avoid, avoid. You know, right. And when you're when you're touching upon powers mm-hmm. like
1: the Fae, like the She, like the Seely and Unseely, like. Uh, You know, terms like that where they're very broad terms that people are going to recognize outside of the Dresden verse, mm-hmm. you know, and <laughs> what was interesting to me was Unseely isn't described really, but it's there. Yeah. Other terms which don't need description are gone
0: into detail. So it's it's weight about the universe is constantly thrown. To be entirely fair, they don't use the word unseelie outside of the specific term unseelie Accords terribly often in the stories. It's always summer and winter. Right, but and that's the thing for me is and and
1: and, and again, it's a lexicon thing of fairies, mm-hmm. fae, yep. seelie, courts, mm-hmm. and and it's like okay, there's a lot of terms to describe. A race of individuals, yep. but never how you un- how they understand themselves. Mm-hmm. Like we don't go around saying "hominids" instead of "human." Oh, no, maybe you don't, right? You know, such a hominid thing to say. <laughs> exactly. But this book <laughs> does that in in gross. But it also doesn't break down the vampires in three different vampire names. It's true. You know. Like it doesn't immediately say to the red court is sanguinists mm. or whatever, right? Or sanguinists. Yeah. You know, as it said. But that would have that would make sense based upon the other text that's sure. around it. So that's one of my problems with this book is that it 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 throws itself around in weird ways as you're reading it, and it doesn't feel like it it, it presents itself in a uniform way. And it and again, like you said, with the character sheets thrown or, or the NPC sheets thrown right in the middle of the lore is just so jarring. Like, they're bigger than the art. They become a full page of the art. Um, and I'm so glad, I will say this, that I had the PDF version and not the book to go through.
0: Yeah, yeah. The
1: text is a wall on every page. Yep. There is barely a moment to breathe reading through this. And because it is wall text black on white with very little redefinition to help to figure out specific points. Yeah. Your dyslexia must've been just running you rampant. Oh my God. It was painful at yeah. times, especially when, when words are, you know, loquacious, like I said. Oh yeah. And you're, they'll use, Oh, so the section, there's a section in the parish write up mm-hmm. uh, at the end where one of the players basically is given something. Now, granted in the next paragraph, they don't directly describe it, but it's inferred that it's a sword because the only line that's described, like he says, you know, and he's pres- you know he's presented with the thing, this thing. It's a name. It's like as-, as Mondo or something like that. It's a specific named blade.
0: Asperacius?
1: Yes. But the thing <laughs> is, is that it doesn't say that that isn't like, I don't know, an orb or a backpack or a person. It isn't until three lines later that it's like he never unsheathed the named thing as uh, And I'm
0: yeah. like,
1: Oh, it's a sword. You never said it was a sword. You know, you, you never referenced that as a thing. And I'm like, okay. Cause I went back looking like Esperachius never is described anywhere else. And it was just, it, it threw me off. That is fluent through the book where they'll use a term and then not have a
0: description for it or a reference for it. It's inferred later what it means. Oh, Amorakius or Amorakius. Yeah, I okay. It was, yeah, Michael Carpenter's sword, Amorakius. Yeah, yeah. I. Yep. But you know what it is. I know exactly what it is.
1: But I have no clue. And that's in the example.
0: It's the sword of love. Again, not
1: reference. Yep, never referenced. Understood. Yeah, but and that's in the referenced. This is a campaign, a story you could run. hmm I didn't know what that was. But now in the game, you're going to be, like, any of the players would look at me and go, oh, yeah, that's the Sword of Love. Oh. Uh, so I probably shouldn't have used it this way. <sighs> yeah, that felt really weird that you used it that way.
0: <laughs> yeah, if it's ever used in that way, it actually literally disintegrates itself and right J- jumps to a new user like <laughs> and now i'm terrified You're like oh cool cool i yeah okay that's the, entirely the concept my entire campaign is built around but awesome
1: yeah, yeah. i
0: uh um it, it's
1: it's the same thing as like accidentally using the explaining that a uh, a certain jedi is using this colored lightsaber
2: mm. <gasps>
1: that means what? this but like nobody says it because they assume you know what you're doing and right. then later on you're, you're like, like,
0: I just thought purple was a nice color. Like <laughs> But exactly. apparently it says something about you. It's like flower coat flower language all over yeah. again, you know?
1: You know. And, and and that's that's a little of the weight that I felt out of this is that I don't I could never feel comfortable running this. It's too specific of a, a world with not enough definition to tell me that i have space to work within it Mm -hmm. it's scary yeah it is scary so i i i I wouldn't i wouldn't necessarily recommend this for anybody who doesn't know dresden yeah i really wouldn't yeah i i I tend to agree yeah good mechanics fate accelerated enjoy yourself love it enjoy yourself good application of them good right. application of
0: that. Let's get to some uh, some questions Nevin's
1: here. Nevin's got a great number of questions. I'm glad some of these got thrown at
0: us. Alright, how does the system
1: tackle the detective part? There is literally two paragraphs talking about in- investigation in the whole book. Mm-hmm. That's it.
0: Okay. It's terrible at it. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible at it. Well, I mean, here's the thing, though, is that is that the fate... Fate is a very open system. Okay? Sure. And so... I I will say it doesn't have any special rules specifically for investigations, which is maybe a little odd when you consider that this is a book about a wizard detective, Mm -hmm. but you're not playing a wizard detective and you're not bound to playing a detective, so it's not necessarily a game about investigations. It's just a game told in a world that, that also features an investigator. Correct. Okay. So I'm not I'm not faulting the game in any way by not having highly evolved investigation mechanics. It doesn't have highly evolved mechanics for anything, really. No. There's there's a section on ritual magic because that is an important thing in this world. Um and it's probably the most complex part of the in-world mechanics period. The yeah. Um thaum- thaumaturgy gets really weird in the books and but it but it follows some very strict rules mm-hmm. um, which is which is good because it gamifies well. yes, um, but like I said, fate is a very open system. yeah it's designed to kind of handle everything just because it, you just what what approach are you using? Do you want to punch the person cool that sounds like a force roll.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: you know, get right into just, it. just just roll force like and we'll figure it out from there. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and even the way that it goes about doing things like combat, you know, like putting someone in a chokehold, isn't an attack. That's create an advantage.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You're putting them, putting an aspect on that character in a chokehold. That's the name of the aspect in a chokehold. And someone can compel that aspect of like, I'm going to punch them in the, in the stomach now. And they're also in a chokehold, which means they're going to be easy to hit. Mm-hmm. I compel that aspect on Yes. Them. Boom. Okay, so now I'm plus two to punch him in the stomach. So the power
1: of chokehold compels you? Literally. Yep. See see
0: how that works out? Literally. Yep. So because of how fate handles literally everything, it doesn't have a great set of rules for handling the detective part but it doesn't have a great set of rules for handling anything other than the core rules of handling everything.
1: Yeah. But there's nothing in system mechanics for the DM to handle investigations in a, in a, in a nice way, nor do they describe how to do investigations in any way. They really just gloss over it at best. It's not bad because they expect it to be there, but it is very quick how they
0: describe it. Sure. Sure. Uh, Do you need to have read some of the books to play the game? technically no to play the game play play the game play the game
2: no
1: no definitely not you could play the game and just learn as you go
0: to run the game i'd strongly suggest it. suggest it and they're good books but i'd strongly suggest it because this book does you no favors in teaching you the complexities of the world
1: yep uh you already answered this one what elements of the system are specific to the universe of dresden files um i think the biggest one is the uh the magic system
0: yeah, the, the mantles and the magic system. Yeah, I think um, that's Especially the... the ritual magic system is great. Yeah. Uh, and what are the pros and cons of Dresden Files compared to other games like Urban Shadows? Uh, Dresden has for itself a very specific niche, and because there are 17 books in the series so far, um, there's a lot of reference material for it. hmm it's a very popular series, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of fandom out there. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to find reference images yeah. and, and all that jazz. So if you want to jump into a very well-supported world with lots of lore, lots of ancillary stories and whatnot, there's even collections of short stories. The wiki is um, impressive. Called Briefcases. Mm-hmm. Get on Briefcases? Uh, oh, uh, that's every, I'm every title is a double entendre. I need to prepare you for that. Every book title is a double entendre. I'm done. I'm so done. Um... As opposed to like Urban Shadows, which is very generic. It's meant to be. Yeah. Because it's it's there to create your own your own world about it. Yeah, you know. And... Uh but you're not going to get the the depth of world building that Dresden comes prepackaged with. Yeah.
1: I would I would totally agree with all those statements. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh,
0: the, the cons, however, is that it comes prepackaged with a lot of world building. So if and... you're looking to write your own stories, Sometimes you can, like you said, run into those problems where it's like, "Oh, that, that's not actually how this happened in the books." Um, and in, in book seventeen, you see Harry Dresden, uh yeah, right. And because he's working at a
1: level that he is, it's hard. It's it's much easier to run into those. The books are at that level, so that you that everyone who has read the books is aware of the machinations at the highest level of each one of these factions. Mm-hmm. So if those factions as a whole are involved, you have to be careful. No different than like in Star Wars to be like, oh, I'm going to run a Mandalorian campaign. Okay, what years are we dealing with? At what point in the story? Can you at least let me know what movie series that we're involved in? Yeah. Because it matters. Yeah. Because we have so much canonical information wrapped around specifically the Mandalorians.
0: And if I, as the storyteller, just thought they had neat armor and blasters... Yeah. And walked into this going, what do you mean, what movie are we in? Yeah. They're just the cool guys with armor and blasters? Yeah. You're going to be like, oh boy, this and is going to be a long campaign. But
1: there's a lot of information to go out there and dig around and yeah. find out about it, practically yeah. reading the books. I could, so. I could
0: find out about it easily, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, and then, uh, as a first TTRPG to master, how easy is it? Ooh, don't go to fate don't, for your first... For, no, don't don't, don't,
0: don't. I Look, I have been storytelling for 30 years And I am still a little bit scared of fate. So fate...
1: is a generic system. Yeah. It is not a bad system. Oh, I'm not saying it's a bad system. But it demands a lot of its storyteller. That's what I'm saying. And because it demands a lot of its storyteller without gifting you much in how to do things beyond the mechanics, it's like, hey... Here's a full commercial kitchen. We will tell you how to use each one of the machines in it. Make a meal. And you're like, okay, where where do I start? Well, are you making breakfast or dinner? I, I, I
0: don't know. You said make a meal. Oh, you'll figure it out. Here's... Not actually my problem with it. Okay. Because I could do that. I could walk into a kitchen and make a meal. Okay, I'd be like, okay, fine. I know several recipes. Do we have this, this, and this on hand? Sure. I guess we're eating dinner now, but it's five in the morning. We're eating dinner, bitches. <laughs> Fair enough. You didn't. You didn't tell me to make breakfast. Right. You told me to make a meal. Right. We're making okonomiyaki. Okay. okay. It's fine. <laughs> you got cabbage. You got bacon. <laughs> this is happening. You got happening. eggs. We're making okonomiyaki. Okay. All right. What what I've got the the problem I see is that it lacks structure. It lacks numerical structure, okay? Mm. Say what you want about D&D, and uh, long-term fans of the podcast know that I will, mm-hmm. and have. But one thing it does give you is hard, concrete numbers and concepts to look at. Yes, Okay. it is it's a board game. very easy to <laughs> see the advantage of this over that, because this one's plus one, and that one's plus two. Yes. And higher number is better. Mm-hmm. because your target number is the thing you're trying to get over mm-hmm. okay cool what's an aspect yep what's a good aspect
2: mm-hmm.
0: how do i compel an aspect in a good advantageous way well I don't know what aspect is it I don't know because I can't wrap my head around what an aspect is mm-hmm. you know I'm not saying these these number these, these things are un or not understandable right but they are not Concrete concepts okay So to go back to your metaphor It's not like a kitchen and being told To make a meal because I could do that Because a meal is a concrete thing There are rules for how to do that
2: mm-hmm.
0: There are loose rules mm-hmm. But there are rules
2: mm-hmm.
0: It's like handing me a canvas And saying paint a masterpiece of Of what Just you know Follow your heart. Don't go with it. Just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> Do I have paints? Do I have charcoals? Do I have pastels? What am I working with here? You'll figure it out. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You don't even give me that much to right. go on. I've right. got a blank canvas and I need to come up with a masterpiece for this. Yeah. Okay, okay, cool. That's you
2: know,
0: fair. That's fair. So that's, that's my point that's my Feeling on fate, feeling on fate, not problem. I Problem's think not a right word. Yeah. This does
1: a good job with accelerated, yeah. of painting a direction for fate. Yes, and in many ways, if you played, if you played, Urban Shadows, mm-hmm. and then your player, one of your players was a Dresden fan and said, "Hey guys, I got this fate accelerated version that's Dresden. Mm-hmm. You guys want to play?" I dare say you could do just fine in that.
0: I think it's I think it's part by the apocalypse adjacent enough. It would be very easy to move from Urban Shadows to Dresden. In fact, I would
1: I would dare say, and this is just an edge, that if what your players were playing Urban Shadows and said, eh, "I need something more crunchy," there you go. There you go. File the file the serial numbers off of Dresden Accelerated and play Urban Shadows. Oh wow, yeah. I mean, you could.
0: <laughs> Defining either of those games as crunchy is just wild, but it,
1: but it is. But it, it is. So Speaking
0: oh, of existing games <laughs> set in existing IPs. Guess what we're talking about next week? Guys. Yeah, we're
1: gonna we're gonna go into a little more depth about the problems that we kind of very quickly discussed in this one, um, of playing in an existing movie or book or video game IP that's already out there. And the problems and the benefits that come that we could, that you can do with it. We've both talked about wanting to play in certain IPs. Sure. Um, And the problems they're in. Oh. I mean, today we even brought up a few of them, but we're really going to break down our pros and cons as we've seen it. And the stuff that we've discovered along the way yeah, by absolutely. going through games like this. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that there is a varied and wide decision to be made there. And I, I I dare say, even in the last year, I've learned more about the comfort levels mm-hmm. based upon the IP and really what makes that difference. So yeah. hopefully we'll have some
0: fun with that discussion. So. All right. Well, you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And uh, join us on our Discord. We'd love it if you shot us some questions, uh, join the discussion with the other great storytellers there, bounce some campaign ideas off of them and such like that. Um, uh, you can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, storytellerconclave.com.
1: We'd like to thank our Patreon members who give us support every single month and, and help us out, especially our name members, Knox in the Box, Sam. The Arcane Asylum, Sajet, uh, Star- Sparkle Motion, Veteran and Hulavu, we truly appreciate all your support. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find them at patreon.com slash arcaneanthems or on Instagram at arcaneanthems. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find them at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on YouTube Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find them at freemusicarchive.org.
0: And a big shout-out, as always, to our families, Vicki and Sean, thank yeah. you for thank you. loving and supporting us. All of our families who've sat with our tables over these years to give you these great stories to share with you. Uh, Jim Butcher for writing the verse. Yeah. And you, every single one of our listeners. We love you guys so love you guys. much. Good night. night.